you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. really settles in it'll just make you do things that are not normal for you you just have to let praise out amen 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 wow such a powerful presence of the lord in the room tonight thankful for you being here what a great sunday that we have had so very excited tonight i i missed saying anything this morning they actually slipped in without me noticing them being here this night i didn't go back and notice ethan and Irons coming in, their new baby Emerson. They had her here this morning, back here tonight in the house of the Lord. I'm so very proud of this wonderful family, this new baby. I know that Scott and Cassie are just overjoyed.
Lord is real. I see they've changed seating locations, Brother Knight. They're all over there. The whole Irons family's all moved to a new spot tonight because they all wanted to huddle up together. And it's just a, from my perspective tonight, I needed to take my just take a photo from right here because it just looks perfect. They're so happy and thrilled for this incredible family. I love it when I watch young families come together and make a decision to serve the Lord all the days of their life and generational blessings that are involved in all of that. And it's just, just a blessing, just a blessing. At one of our first corporate prayer meetings, I asked you, if you were here, you will recall, I asked you to write down at least three names uh, on a piece of paper or in your phone. again, names of people that we are praying for and believing that God will save. Tonight, before service, just before service, I received a text from Brother David Townsend, and he texted me to say that number one on his backslider list made their way back home this evening. So we're rejoicing with Brother David. Amen. For those of you that may not know, the young man, a lot of people was asking who was the guy in the purple shirt this morning that came forward and prayed. Well, that was number one on Brother David Townsend's list because that's his brother that made his way back this morning. He was overjoyed, came up, hugged me a couple of times this morning, so thankful for what the Lord is doing in Scott's life. You prayed for him when the doctor said there was a brain tumor. And this morning, we see more than just healing, but we see salvation and regeneration happening in a life. We ought to pause for a moment and just thank the Lord for that. Oh, come on, lift up your voice. God's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Sitting on the nose of the platform after service. There's a lot that happens at service, at service uh, before service and after service uh, with, a, with a church that is on the Sometimes I miss certain things, and, and uh, I usually say, don't, don't approach me before or after service. Uh, but some things you have to approach before or after service. It's right. It's in order to approach before or after service. This morning I was sitting on the nose of the platform, and uh, my buddy Sullivan, the newcomer, came up, and he said, uh, I want to get baptized. The Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost a few months ago back in the summer. So at the end of service tonight, we're going to baptize him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, makes a pastor's heart thrilled. Because I, I watch, I know, so many of our ministry kids, I'm talking about across the apostolic ranks, walk away from God, walk away from the church, don't want anything to do with God anything to do with him. And so when I see our children make a move toward God, it not only just speaks of the goodness of God and a wonderful family that's living in front of them, but it also speaks of a church 
that's doing some things right that is causing our children to want to serve the Lord. Amen. And God's just getting started. These kids are young, but God's got his hand on them and anointing on them and no telling what God is going to do before it's all said and done. Amen. Amen. Well, I've got the gift of gab tonight. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, verse number 3. I'm just, oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here. God wants to do something special. Genesis chapter 22. It may involve you preaching, so if you want to stay in line, you can. Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 3. I, I say that jokingly. There's so much that happens behind the scenes. Wednesday night, Wednesday night, Sister Cheryl spoke to Hype and Boots here. Chad Marshall has been having different ones speak. Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, slayed the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said to his young men, abide ye the ass, I and the lad will go yonder and watch and come again to you. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read two verses, three verses from Hebrews chapter 11. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. I want that to settle in. He was called to go out, and he went to a place that he didn't know, but he just knew he was going to receive for an inheritance. So he obeyed God, and he went out, not knowing where he was going to. Verse 9, by faith he sojourned. Somebody say sojourn in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Oh, I don't know about you, but I long for that city. 
Uh, Lord, we need you tonight in this house. Let the words that you've inspired upon my heart tonight, let me articulate under the influence of the anointing of the Holy Ghost tonight that every heart in this room may be strengthened and encouraged and established in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can have a seat. If I was to give you the crux of my assignment tonight, it would just be very simple to let you know that Abraham's common response to whatever he faced was to do one thing, and that was to worship until the answer came. God told Abraham to go to the mountain and to sacrifice his son, but Abraham knew the faithfulness of God and the desire of God, and he knew what would get the attention of God because worship would get the attention of God every time. In the midst of his worship, Abraham looked, and what did he see? But he saw a ram that was caught in a thicket, and God made a way out of no way. I know that it is typology, and I know that although a literal real story, there is a a total parallel into the New Testament because God prepared himself a sacrifice. And when you and I were about to lose it all, he came through and there was a cross and there was Calvary and there was a sacrifice prepared for our sin. But I want you to know that there is a promise that is on the other side. If those of you that are in this place will make up your mind that while I tarry to see the that, that city, to go to that city who, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I want you to know that we do have a job to do while we're on this side. And that is that we have got to worship while we're on this side of the promise. By the help of the Lord tonight, I'm going to preach worship on this side of the answer. Now I'm going to ask you to do that with me right now. Would you lift your hands right where you are and would you just give God a shout of praise in this room and declare, God, I'm going to worship till the answer comes. I'm going to make up my mind that I worship until I hear you say, well done. Come on, let's lift our voices. Come on, send some praise up to him right now. This is the proper sound. While you wait for the answer, this is what it ought to sound like. God, I'm not bitter, I'm not angry, but I'm worshiping until the answer comes. Amen, amen, amen. Psalm 34, David declares, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall what? Shall continually be in my mouth. I ask Sister Cheryl to stay with me tonight because I want to talk. I know no better illustration than the one I'm about to bring to you tonight because that word continually has a meaning that is much deeper than you and I just feeling like that's right. I'm just going to do it continually. But our continually may look a little different than the continually of the Scripture because that word continually in the scripture means this. It means to sustain. How many of you know what it means to sustain our praise? 
So this is what I want you to understand tonight. I asked Sister Cheryl to stay on the, the keys with me tonight because I, I want to do a little illustration. On the keyboard that she is playing tonight or a piano, if it was here, on any of these type of instruments, there is what is known as a sustain pedal. At her right foot is a sustain pedal. And what that sustain pedal does is it changes the sound from being, uh, I, I believe it is called staccato. Is that correct? Staccato. I want you to give the folks, if you'll just stop here for just a moment, and give the, the folks a little taste of what a staccato note may sound like. Did you get that? I want you to do that again. But when you add the sustain pedal, this is what it does. It causes the sound to continue after you actually stop the initial note. See, that sound that she played a few moments ago is continuing to ring out. Now, I'm going to try to help somebody in this house tonight because that word means perpetual. I will bless the Lord continually or my praise will be sustained. It will continue within me. Here is the, this is a simple message tonight and I'm going to fight with this microphone and I may have to lose it here in a few minutes and grab a handheld mic. But, let me tell you, it's, it's, it's me. I got a big head. And this microphone sometimes doesn't want to hang around the back of this big boy. Everybody all right? I got to go find one of these microphones that maybe it has uh, clips and brackets that connect it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall sustain in my mouth. It will be continually coming out of my mouth. Here's what I'm trying to share with you tonight. That the Lord is calling us into a season more than just a season, but the Lord is calling us toward a shift away from staccato praise, but the development that he's wanting to develop in us is that I will bless him at sustained, meaning on the good days and on the bad days, there will be a sustained praise that will come forth out of my mouth. This is more than just noise, but it is a sound of faith 
of victory and of deliverance. I will bless the Lord as long as I'm on this side of the end, sir. As long as I'm on this side, I'm not going to get bitter about what I'm being called to. I'm not going to get frustrated over even in the middle of pain and agony and sickness and disease and struggle and work and weariness. I will make up my mind that I'm going to walk in the house of the Lord and I will offer him a sustained praise because he's worthy. Not because I feel like it, not because it's what comes natural, but because it's what he's worthy of. He's been too good to me for me to get upset in the middle of my storm and stop giving him glory and praise. But I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Come on, this is more than noise tonight. This is a demonstration of what God is asking of us. And make up your mind that when I'm walking in victory, I'm going to praise him. But when I go through the valley, I'm going to find the strength to sustain the praise. It's going to continue to flow out of me. Let me teach you a few things tonight. Because when you worship, Your worship invites the presence of God into that moment of your life. Now, if you were in my wife's essentials, apostolic essentials class this morning, I know she touched on some of the things and taught some things about worship. And so I'm going to tie in and try to just join in with some of the teachings I know because she taught me. Because through her three years of chemotherapy and sickness, I watched a lady that when she didn't have the strength, somehow found the courage and the strength to muster a praise unto the Lord. And what I watched during that season that she went through, that thank God she's on the other side of, But when she didn't have the strength to be able to come to the house of the Lord, she still found her way to click on to the internet and not just sit in her PJs and say, look, they're having church. But whether it was a good day or a bad day, through everything she went through, I watched her continually give praise to the Lord, refuse to speak negativity over her situation, but declare, I am healed, I am whole. The Lord is going to help me. The Lord's going to see me through. I come tonight to tell somebody that you've got to make up your mind regardless where you are to offer him sustained praise because your praise and your worship invites the presence of God into your situation. It invites the presence of God into the middle of your mess. I think it would be a fair analogy to say that Abraham's commitment to worship was a prerequisite to the provision that was already working behind the scenes. Before he ever saw the ram caught in the thicket, he declared to his disciples or followers that were with him, to the men that were with him, Abraham said to him, to them, me and the lad, you stay here 
but me and the lad are going yonder and we're going yonder to worship. That means that after three days that he was there and the Lord told him to go to Mount Moriah and to offer a sacrifice there and to take his son, his his oldest, his only son, and to sacrifice him there upon the altar. But I come tonight to remind somebody in this house that he said no matter what that I may be facing in my future, I'm going there and when I get there, I'm going to worship. Watch if Abraham would have gone yonder to worry. He would have never witnessed the provision that God was going to save his son and save him from a lifetime of grief and despair. Your worship will create an atmosphere where God can work on your behalf. One of our new couples came to me this morning. And I thank God for what he's doing in their life. They came to me this morning and said they went and visited other churches. But God just kept drawing them back here. They would go visit other places. God kept drawing them back. They talked to me a little bit this morning about their background. And about what God is doing in their life. And he said I was raised up familiar with with what the worship is like in this church. But my wife wasn't. She, she wasn't, but she has become comfortable with it. And she, she likes what she sees and feels and senses. And she's, she's became used to it now. He, she has invited her friend who has been here four times. And she said, my friend, uh, we warned her before she came that this is not a traditional church that sits silently and, and doesn't respond. He said, I told her. People are going to be lifting their hands and clapping their hands. And some may be talking in tongues. And she came, never been in an environment, but she came the first time. And she said, I'm all right with it. And I like it. And she's been back four times. Oh, I want to tell you, the world's not looking for cold, dead, dry religion, formalism, and things where nothing happens. But they're looking for an apostolic move of the Spirit. I refuse to apologize for being a one God apostolic, worshiping, tongue-talking church. Because it's the power of God in these last days. And we need the power in these last days. I have a tendency to worry in the middle of my trials, but not Abraham. Because if he would have gone yonder to worry, God would have never come through. But he went forward because your worship on this side of the answer is what some in other arenas call prophetic praise or prophetic worship. You want to know why? Because my worship proves that I've got faith in God that he's going to bring the answer and he's going to get me out the other side. I want to tell you tonight that wherever you are and whatever you're facing, don't lose your praise. Don't lose your worship. Come on, we're going to worship him before the answer comes. We're going to worship him while I wait. I'm going to worship him until he comes through and shows his glory. We all want to understand and we all want to see what God will do.
before we commit to participation. Now, I'm going to tell you that's as humanistic as anything. That's as flesh as anything. I'm not preaching against you. I'm just trying to help you. Because if we wait to see if God comes through, because if he does, then this is what I'm going to do. Chances are when the newness of the answer comes, so will go your praise. After a little while, you'll forget when he saved you and raised you and turned you around. And you'll go back to being and acting exactly like you did before the answer came. But if we can have a mind shift, I'm talking about unilaterally as a church, that when we begin to pray and believe that God is going to answer and God is going to make a way and we begin to praise Him and worship Him on this side of the answer, I can tell you what it says to God. That individual has faith. That church has faith of what, for what God's going to do. I know next Sunday Bishop Smith is going to be here and he's going to begin to preach the Word and miracles are going to happen on Sunday morning and Sunday night. But I'm just trying to preach something to you to tell you before the miracle happens next Sunday the miracle can happen tonight because some of us can break out of our mold and begin to give him worship and praise in advance because I know what he's going to do I know that he's going to show up I know that he's going to answer go ahead and get ready you can write it down. Miracles are going to happen here next Sunday. I feel it in the young, by the unction of the Holy Ghost tonight. Uh, it's going to happen. Miracles are going to happen. People are going to walk in sick and walk out well. People are going to walk in thinking they came because you pestered them about coming to church. Uh, but God's going to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Come on, we're not going to wait until the, the answer comes. We're going to go ahead and give him praise now. We're going to go ahead and worship him on this side of my answer. Let me know what I'm going through, but God does. And when you worship on this side of the answer for your dilemma, you are inviting the presence of God There are times that worshipers come to the house of God and they don't feel like worshiping. There are times when worshipers come to the house of God and they're going through a trial. But they refuse to give the enemy credit but letting the trial show up on their face and their disposition. But instead they show up and they confuse the enemy because here's why that we say your praise continues con, 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 confuses the enemy. This is why. This is how. This is why your praise con, confuses the enemy because when you begin to praise God before the answer comes, the enemy thinks he already has you in your mind and has you believing that nothing is going to happen. 
I've got Bible for this, but don't have time for this. But I do want to tell you that the people of God found themselves on the mountainside surrounded and outnumbered by an enemy. But when they broke the pictures and began to shout, when they began to give praise unto the Lord, it confused the enemy and the enemy turned on themselves and began to destroy one another. That's what your praise does to your adversary. When you're on this side of the answer, but you begin to worship anyhow, you begin to praise anyhow. The answer hasn't come, but I'm going to worship. It causes the enemy to become confused. How can they, when they're going through the trial, when they're going through the test, how can they worship? Ah, yes. My Lord, I like what I feel in here. Worship is exclusively God-focused. Here's why the flesh doesn't like worship. Because there's nothing in it for me. Nothing in it. I, I... I got to tell you, I probably should have just obeyed tonight when I looked up and saw Sister Wanda come to the front and start worshiping across the front of this place tonight. I, 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 I pause for a moment, and when I do that, I, I hinder what God has really wanted to do. But I just almost broke forth and just ran across the front of this building when I saw her doing that because, you know, she came forward tonight, but all of her prayers are not answered. Some of you may not know Sister Wanda, but I know that some of her prayers are not answered. But she got up from where she was tonight because she started thinking about the song that they were singing all my life. He's been faithful. And, and, and although the dilemma, she has, she could come to church tonight and worry about the prayers that are not answered. Or she can come to church tonight and say, I'm going to worship. And if somebody thinks I look strange, it's not them I'm worrying about. I'm trying to get the attention of God. I'm trying to get the attention of God to let him know I worship on this side of my answer. Nothing in the flesh. It doesn't the flesh can't glory in worship. Our worship creates a connection between us, our situation, and God. There's some folks that ask for prayer, we pray for. They come to the house of God. The Spirit of the Lord begins to move, but they don't. Let me tell you the problem here. They are so connected to the source of their problem that they're leaving God out of the equation. But worship brings God into the equation. <laughs> See, because when we think we're smart enough, wise enough, wealthy enough that we can answer all of our own problems, you're going to find out there's going to be some problems come that you will never be able to answer. But when you bring God into the equation, anything can happen. And your worship invites God into the equation. It brings God into the equation. And when God gets in the equation, something is going to happen. Because your worship supports a godly perspective. 
See, humanism, humanism and the idea of humanism, I thank God for all he has done uh, through science and, and counseling and, and, and all that he has done through, um, through wisdom. And, and wisdom has increased and there are a lot of smart people. But what happens in this is we begin to lean to our own understanding when the scripture says, in, lean not to your own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. And when we acknowledge him, there is a promise associated with that action because every action that the Bible calls us to has a reaction from God. And so when our action in all our ways acknowledge Him, that's talking about in the middle of what, no matter what's going on, we acknowledge Him. We bring Him into the equation. See, that's where our worship invites Him into the equation. When we acknowledge Him, bring Him into the equation, then there is a promise from God. He will direct our path. Meaning whatever the dilemma is, is going to be, God is going to direct us because we lean not to our own understanding. I hope I'm teaching good tonight and you're understanding that you can stay home and be fretful and worry and fearful over what comes or you can walk into the house of God and declare, nope, I'm coming tonight to invite the presence of God into my dilemma. I'm coming tonight. I know I've got pain in my body, but I invite the presence of God into my dilemma. I know my children and family's not saved, but I invite God into my dilemma. Come on, somebody. We got to bring God in to the equation. We invite him. And when we do, our worship releases the blessings of God in the middle of our disaster. Worship invites God to come closer and life become clear. Worship causes us to see God through a different lens. I went to the eye doctor the other day because Monday, a week or so ago, I took a pretty hard fall just outside the door of the church in all that cold weather and rain and the shift. And I come across the asphalt was fine, and when I stepped on the concrete, it looked like it was just wet. My feet went out from under me, and I fell terribly hard. In the middle of the fall, my glasses fell and fell under me, and I fell on top of my glasses. And I broke my glasses, and I scratched the face of me. And uh, so last Sunday, I was here preaching with one stem and a half. And some of you saw that. I came preaching with a stem and a half. That's, that's why I didn't preach to you. I was just working with a stem and a half. And so I... I I went to the eye doctor, and the doctor checked my vision, and he said, it's been about a year and a half since you've been here, and checked my vision. He came back, and he said, well, nothing has changed. Your prescription is still the same. You don't need anything. Uh, no change of prescription. And he said, um, so we can either repair your glasses or we can get new glasses. And I said, well, which is going to be best? He said, well, you have to go out and talk to the other people. So I went out and talked to them, and they said, well, um, we can probably get new glasses for you much quicker than we can get stems for your old glasses. And I said, well, I, I, I can't live with this because my, my glasses are so scratched. The, the surface is so scratched that I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, having to adjust to try to read and see. And um, 
I was still using for work, so let's get the stems ordered. And so they ordered the stems, gave me new glasses. So this week I went back over to pick up my glasses. And when I got there and uh, the guy came out and he, he handed me the glasses and I put the glasses on, I felt like it had been a long time since I had seen so clearly. And I said, is this the same prescription lens that I have in these stem and a half glasses? And he said, absolutely, exactly the same. I said, you mean to tell me that these few marks and mars on my glasses? He said, listen, with time, whether you have visible scratches or not, there are microscopic scratches and things from just cleaning and what have you that affects your glasses. And he said they become hazy and foggy. He said some people think that's their vision, but he said it's just the normal wear and tear on glasses. That's why that you have to replace your lenses every once in a while. And he said when you do, that's what you're seeing. He said it's just the normal wear and tear. And I thought, my Lord, I'm preaching this on Sunday night. Because what happens is you're a good people of wonderful faith and you believe God, but sometimes our, our lenses become so marred that we know God can, but we're not sure he will. And, 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 and we come and we, we offer to him a little bit of praise, but I'm going to tell you what worship does. Worship takes off what life has marred and causes us to put on brand new glasses and see in ways that we haven't seen in a long time. Because my vision becomes clear in worship. I'm trying to help somebody tonight to tell you, don't think it's a big sin that causes you to not see with faith. But I come tonight to tell you that sometimes life in itself is just enough to cause you to need to come to the house of God and declare, I got to put on a brand new, a brand new pair of shades, a brand new pair of glasses so that I can see him as he is. You know, there was a prophet Isaiah that said, and in the year that King Uzziah died, then I saw the Lord high and lifted up. You know what it was? It was Uzziah that was always up in his grill, always up in his vision. I don't know what your Uzziah is, but until Uzziah dies, you got to go to worship because worship is the only thing that will take and clear your vision and let you have a God vision. Come on now in the house. Let's offer God some sustained praise. Come on, offer him some worship and see if God doesn't begin to come on the scene. Be seated for a moment. If faith is the beating heart of a Christian's spiritual anatomy, then praise is the healthy pulse. In other words, your praise and your worship speaks volumes about your spiritual condition. You know, 
I know this is going to go against the grain here just for a moment. And then we're going to all get back together when the pain of what I'm about to tell you really comes. The truth is, is when we start becoming humanistic, we believe that if I can get enough scripture, that that is all I need. You do need scripture. You do need word. You do need preaching. You do need teaching. But that's not all it takes to be able to survive in this world. Because equally to the word, we also must have the spirit. Because the scripture says that the letter killeth. Oh, you're not going to help me right now. But the spirit maketh alive. That's why when you begin to when you begin to exercise your praise on this side of the answer, all of a sudden it begins to dictate, hey, it's like the nurse checking your pulse. It starts saying, yeah, everything's working okay. Yeah, I can see the answers coming. Yes, it because your praise begins to dictate to everybody around you. It begins to tell to everybody around you they don't think they can do it by themselves. They know that they got to have the help of God. So if faith is the heartbeat of God, if faith is the, the beating heart of the Christian spiritual anatomy and praise is the healthy pulse, if faith is the heartbeat of God, then praise brings the life-giving flow to the activity of the body. Because your pulse is not a muscle. Your pulse is caused by the movement of blood through your body that creates pressure in your vein. Called blood. That's how blood pressure is created. And so when your heart beats, it pumps through. And so they can check your wrist and your wrist will identify that your heart is working. Your wrist can say how many times the heart is working. I hope, I hope I'm not going too long tonight. And I hope you can wrap your mind around what I'm trying to tell you. But when you begin to praise and worship God, it is, an, it is a, a, a certain, it, it delivers a certain message to everybody that is around you that the heart is working. If I withhold praise, oh, I'm going to praise him when I get over there. When he delivers me out of this body, and when I get over there, then I'm going to praise him. Oh, I'm going to cast my crown at his feet, but over here I'm just going to wait. I'm going to serve in silence. Let me tell you, I've had people tell me before, Pastor, you know I can't give like I want to. But if God will answer my prayer, I'm going to really start sacrificing. If I, if I hit it big, I'm going to start sacrificing. Then I'm going to really start giving. Probably not. That's just what a lifetime of knowing people is. Because the truth is, if you don't sacrifice on this side of your miracle, you may sacrifice the first week or two, but after a while, you end up going right back to where you are. But when we create sustained praise on this side of the answer, it is proof to God that when we get over there, praise is not going to be a problem. 
Because if you have an issue with praise here, you're going to have an issue with praise over there. Come on, somebody. I'm calling the church. The next few days, we're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. But we need to start tonight declaring, I'm going to praise before the answer comes. I want the world to know that my heart's working, that everything's good, that the blood's flowing. I can't lean to my own understanding. I need God to come on the scene in the midst of my dilemma. Come on, give God praise right now. I'm only about halfway there, but I want somebody right now to begin to give God a sacrifice of praise, to begin to give him a sacrifice of praise and declare, God, I want you in the middle of my dilemma. I want you to come on the scene right now. Come on, there's some folks been struggling for a little while. I dare you to step out and just declare, I'm going to worship him now. I'm going to praise him now. That's it. Go ahead, Brother Hector. There's a miracle on this side for you. Come on, somebody. We've got to give him praise. We've got to worship him on this side. The answer hasn't come. My miracle hasn't come. But I'm worshiping him now. I'm worshiping him now. Ah, come on. Your praise is your weapon. Your praise is your weapon. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Come on, sustain praise now. Sustain praise now. Don't do it because I'm in the microphone. Don't do it because the music is behind me. But do it because he's worthy. Do it because he's worthy. Come on, worship till the answer comes. Praise him till the answer comes. Praise him till the answer comes. Come on, I'm looking for a city which hath foundation. I got six more pages of notes uh, that I can't preach uh, because we're going to start worshiping him now because there is a place uh, that he's prepared. But until that answer comes, uh, I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to lift him up. Uh, I'm going to exalt him. over. Don't wait till the victory's won. Don't wait until the answer comes. But right now, while I'm in the struggle, on this side of my answer, I'm going to give him a sacrifice of praise. Before the miracle comes, I'm going to praise him. been a while since some of you have felt freedom to worship. I want it to start now. Don't wait till next Sunday, but right now. Come on, somebody needs to get victory tonight. Somebody needs to step out in faith and worship him in faith. I'm going to worship before it comes. I'm worshiping before he answers.
because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. God's not changing. When your answer comes, he's still the same God today as he will be when the answer comes. Come on, give him praise in the house. Give him praise in the house. You need to get familiar with it right now. Get familiar with it right now. Press through the flesh right now. The flesh is saying, I don't want to. But the Spirit is saying, you ought to let loose right now. You ought to go ahead and lift your voice right now. You ought to go ahead and clap your hands right now. You ought to go ahead and leap for joy right now. But the, the flesh is saying, no. Come on, get the flesh under subjection. We've been fasting and praying. Come on, put it under your feet. Put it under your feet. Praising for the victory. Leap for joy. It hasn't happened, but I'm doing it now. Come on, give him praise. These ladies are setting an example. If you need a miracle in your life, run up here to the front. And I want four or five people to get with somebody that needs a miracle. And I want you to join together with them. And we're going to pray and believe until it comes to pass. Come on, if you have a need, run up here. If you need a miracle, run up here. God is able. God is able. Come on, we're not going to weep over it. We're going to praise him because he's going to answer. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, praise him like it's already come. Come on, you got brothers and sisters. Come on, we're not weeping right now. We're not weeping right now. Weeping endures for a night, but joy's coming. Joy's coming. Joy's coming. Come on, don't miss out on your opportunity for your miracle tonight. Hey, 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 hey. 